Somebody turned 100 years old yesterday. Claude, stand up. Don't sit down. <laughs> he's not 100 yet, but he's he getting there. <laughs> Give us just a few more years. Claude, we want to say happy birthday to you, man. Happy birthday. Let's say happy birthday to Brother Claude. <laughs> it is good to get older. It is very good to get older. Claude, you still have all your faculties, huh? Don't answer that question, Claude. <laughs> 73? 73. My goodness, man. Yeah, he told me. He just said it back there. I just want to make sure everybody heard. Turning your Bibles with me to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 5. And we're continuing with our series in this book. I want to thank Letitia for listening to the prompting of the Holy Spirit on yesterday when you said something told you it was someone, I like to tell you, but I understand what you're saying because you had no idea what you were coming to. You had no idea who would be here, but there are promptings that the Holy Spirit will give and was sensitive to know enough to come not knowing what was going to take place, and lo and behold, there was a person in need in the parking lot wondering what she was going to do. That's just what the Lord will do. You've got to be open to the Lord disturbing your plans. Tell you to do something, do it. Just don't always blow them off. That's just me. Just blow it off. You come to find out later that the Lord was speaking through your spirit. Now, I tell you this. People that said they're hearing voices... I run from those people. They tell me, I heard the Lord. Wait a minute. What do you mean you heard the Lord? She said, spoke to my spirit. I read the word. Okay. All right. Hearing voices. But sometimes, I will say this. There are sometimes where some people in the past have heard an audible voice. But very uncommon. It's more so with the Holy Spirit. Speaks through our spirit. I will say this since I'm on that. I'll jump into the word. When the Lord told my dad to leave the post office, and my dad was trying to negotiate with the Lord, told him, Lord, just three more years, I'll have 20 years, and I can then have retirement. The Lord kept prompting him. He was sitting on the couch, he told me, and he heard an audible voice say, that's too late. He went in the next day and put in his papers to retire, just to quit. Heard an audible voice, and that's too late. Heard the Lord and stopped work after 17 years. Now, how am I going to make it, Lord, at the church? A very small congregation, they don't, <clears throat> the Lord said, I'll take care of you. And did just that. The Lord has a way of getting our attention. And while that's not my topic, it is just something that I wanted to share based on the Lord had just brought to me. I wanted to give that to you. In the book of Ecclesiastes, I'll be reading chapter 5, verses 8 through 12. And this is how it reads. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 8 through 12. And then I'm going to read another passage Proverbs. I didn't give Anisha this. 22, 22. But first, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, beginning in verse number 8. If you see in a province the oppression of the poor, again, if you see in a province 
the oppression of the poor, and the violation of justice and righteousness. Do not be amazed at the matter, for the high official is watched by a higher, and there are yet higher ones over them. But this is gain for land in every way, a king committed to cultivated fields. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much. But the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 22, you can just listen out. You don't have to turn there. <clears throat> chapter 22, verse 22, and this is what it says. Do not rob the poor because he is poor or crush the afflicted at the gate. Let me read one other passage for you. First Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 10 says this. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. As a title, I've given this message, Corruption Sanctioned in High Places. Corruption Sanctioned in High Places. We have often heard the phrase, if you can't beat them, join them. Unfortunately, too many people are not asking the question, what am I joining? What am I joining? What, what causes you to get upset and take action and do that which is right? You don't have to go very far to find that which is wrong. You don't have to go very far to find that which is evil. What causes you to get upset and take action to do that which is right? We complain about the politicians that we do not like and sanction corruption with the politicians. We say we don't like what they're doing, but yet in how we respond, we often sanction what they do. We, we don't vote values and issues. We vote color. We, we don't vote as a body what it means to do right. We vote who we like. We vote about, oh, I like that person. I, I can overlook and bypass what they do. We vote political parties. But do you stop and vote values and that which is right? What do you stand for? Do you value that which is right, or do you bend and sway with that which is evil? 
Solomon returns to a point that he has beforehand mentioned, and that is the oppression of people, the oppression of the poor, those with power, not providing justice. There was no justice that he found. In the places where he thought he would find justice, there was injustice. In verses 8 and 9 in chapter 5, you would go back and look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, and Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, to find out what we had already mentioned before. Today we have closed our eyes to that which is wrong and have embraced folly, somehow thinking that if we let wrong just play out that somehow it will correct itself. Wrong never corrects itself. Wrong has to be corrected by that which is right. Point number one. Keep going up the chain. Keep going up the chain. Uh, Solomon has been following a course stating that the things that he had observed and the things that he had seen. But in verse number 8, there is a twist where he turns to the reader or the listener and tells them to take note. He's the one that had been searching out the meaning of life and the vanity. And, and, and he would get to the end of a phrase that says, all is vanity. But he tells the leader, the listener... To observe a matter, pay attention, take note. His premise has been all that he has seen, all that he has learned, is this is what he comes to. But, but what does it mean that when he wants the, the listener to now pay attention to this? And he says, if you see in a province or a district the oppression of the poor, and the violation of justice and righteousness. He says, do not be amazed at the matter. He is saying it is going to occur. It is going to happen. Don't be amazed that it takes place. You're going to experience it. Ultimately, he found that corruption and oppression had been sanctioned not only by the person who was committing it, but it was sanctioned even by the person who was over that person. And then the next person over that person sanctioned it. Even as the, the, the power went up the chain, you came to find out that at the top it had been approved. Don't be surprised if evil is exposed. Thank you for being quiet. When you're trying to get someone and the tables are turned on you, be very careful. He knows that as he looked at oppression, those in authority were oppressing those that were poor. In other words, those who had no power. It had nothing to do with nationality and culture. Did it make a difference if a person was Hispanic, Russian? Did it make a person, difference if a person came from Europe? Made no difference. There was oppression. And it went up the chain. And Solomon has said, has said, take note, 
don't be amazed that it's happening because it is happening. Today, somehow, we expect and want people to respond in such a way that they choose and do what is right. You elect officials. You elect leaders because you desire and hope that they will do that which is right. And yet, many of them do not follow the Lord, and then we are surprised when they don't do that which is right and don't repent. You see, all of us have a very colored and a checkered past. And so you've got to be very careful when you look at somebody because you now have been saved 23 years and they're still living in sin not to look at them in such a disrespectful way. You should be able to say, I was there, but God brought me out of that. We expect for Christians to live in a position above that which is wrong or to call out evil when, it, when evil is evil. So we don't sanction that just because we might like somebody, but we say, you've got to do that which is right. Where does a person go who has no power if up the chain corruption exists? Where one has to rely only, only upon the Lord because it is only the Lord that can right the wrongs. You've got to understand this. As the writer is mentioning, up the chain is corruption, but even over them, it comes to a stop because God is over all and will one day bring justice. It was Jezebel, that I mentioned to you not long ago, who went out and committed a crime because her husband wanted somebody else's field. It was Ahab who went home pouting, I told you, and Jezebel said, aren't you the king? Get up from there. Don't. I'm going to get that field for, for you. And she went out and got some scoundrels to lie about Naboth and had him killed. Even David, when he had fallen off from the Lord, had the wife or the husband of the woman that he had slept with, had the husband killed. But when there is repentance, there has to be a turning. Thank God that he'll forgive every sin. Can't come telling me I've committed this sin. God can't forgive me. What in the world did Christ go to the cross for? If your sin is the only one that stands out and he didn't die for, I guess you can't be saved then because your sin is above what he died for. When he said it is finished, it was all finished. Everything that God called him to do, he took care of it. That included you. Your sins that were committed. You were in the future. You weren't physically there, but he died for you because he knew you were coming through. And so we can rely upon the Christ, the Savior, to right every wrong. But up the chain, we oftentimes see corruption. And so we value that which we like. But we should value that which is true. Evil cannot investigate itself and come, and come out okay. Evil cannot investigate itself, I say, and come out okay. Because evil always looks at things with a slanted eye. One has to think of Solomon and what he's saying taking place. Did, did Solomon experience this in his kingdom? Well, we even have to look at Solomon. As Solomon moved away from the Lord, there was at one point where he tried to kill Jeroboam. Was it, 
Was it Jeroboam who was going to be coming to the throne? Yes, it was Jeroboam. When Solomon heard that he was going to become king, Solomon tried to kill him. Solomon was led astray because of those that he surrounded himself with. Be careful who you surround yourself with. There are people today that say, I can be friends with anybody. You can't. You need to be open to being friends with people, but you've got to watch. Watch where you come from because there are some people who may not be able to go down a certain path because they're not long far removed from that path. They may have a problem there. And so don't go tiptoeing down a path that you know you struggle in. You're not strong enough yet. Maybe one day. Little boy that is there looking at the cookie jar. Mom said, what are you doing? I'm fighting temptation. Be careful that you're not placing yourself in a temptation or in a situation that will tempt you where you know you're not strong enough. Surround yourself with people. That's going places. That's doing right. Because we have an inclination to do that which is against God's will. Against his word. While Solomon did a lot of good, he began to surround himself with those who had other and different beliefs than he did. Which eventually led him astray in his older life. Solomon cautions that you should not be amazed. And how high up evil and corruption goes. But for the believer, repentance should be the direction that we take. When we look and see corruption and evil, we should always say, oh my God, Lord, would you deal with that? Right now, there doesn't seem to be anybody that's stopping it, but God, I pray that you will deal with that situation. We've got to learn to pray about things that you may not have the ability to change yourself, but you can pray. I think sometimes that we minimize the effectiveness of prayer. When we're praying for things and we're asking God to do things and to move. And God begins to move. And we sometimes think that God's not moving, but there's times when the Lord is moving, but there's opposition. Don't think you're going to pray. Don't, don't, don't think you're going to just offer a prayer and God's going to just poof, give you the answer right then. There's going to be some trials that you may have to go through. I think of Daniel, who prayed and the answer was given, but he was if the answer was met with opposition, there was a, a, a buffering that happened. There was an enemy that came into play. And so you've got to remember that when you begin to pray and to seek God, the enemy is going to raise his head. Go ahead and make a commitment to do that which is right. And watch and see what the enemy will do. He sets himself up against all that is right. And so when you say, I'm having such a hard time, I wasn't having this such a hard time when I was in the world doing this thing. Well, because you are on the enemy's territory and you weren't responding to the tenderness of God's calling. And the moment that you did, the enemy says, I want that person back. And a battle began to ensue. You began to struggle in a way that you never thought you would struggle. Not realizing that we live in a spiritual world and the warfares of this world don't work. It does not work with the things that are spiritual. But I tell you this, prayer does. 
I tell you this, obedience to the word of God does. Uh, saying, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to trust you anyhow. Help me through this difficult matter. Tell you this, get up sometimes and begin to pray. Set your alarm clock a little early and get up and begin to seek the face of God and watch and see what you do. Whenever you have corruption at the highest level, you have anarchy. Look at verse number 9. It says, but this is gain for land in every way a king committed to cultivated fields. Cultivated fields? Where did this come from? The theologians, the commentators, they all don't agree. They have like, this, this, this is a hard verse to understand. And, and some of the notes even say, whatever interpretation you give to this, you need to have a footnote at the bottom that says, we really don't know what this verse means. I'll give you, Dr. Sproul says, and there's some others who have basically come to some, some of the same insights, but when you look at verse 9, it seems to be interpreted that the orderly rule is better than the alternative of anarchy. Orderly rule. When you look at the cultivated field, based on what he was talking about before, corruption, you, you, you look at how the cultivated field has to be taken into account. One has to take time and look at that which is for everybody. We think about the fields. Now, some believe that the cultivated fields deals with that where... It can be either positive or negative, and it also deals with maybe how the king might have even taken other people's fields and those that were cultivated by others and taken that. So the meaning has had different meanings, but it seems to suggest orderly rule is better than anarchy. Let me move on. Point number two, still not satisfied. Verses 10 through 12, still not satisfied. If you ask people, are you satisfied with your income, you will often hear, no. Are you satisfied with what you make? No. How much is enough? A little bit more. Power and money can be a hard trap to escape if you love money. Many people have misquoted the passage of 1 Timothy 6.10. They say money is the root of all evil. Well, I tell you this, then you must be calling God evil because he made it. No, the love of money. That one would do anything to get it. One would go to anything to possess it. One would do anything to keep it. The Lord says the love. It is what one does. And you've got to be so very careful because money will fly away from you. This is my own analogy. Here you are running for a bus. You got your briefcase, got your overcoat, your umbrella, your lunch, your, 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 you got all these items, and you're running for the bus, and you're trying to get it to stop. And you almost get there to the bus, and you're about to hear it and say, stop, I'm here, and it goes, and you're not able to catch it. And there you stand, said, oh, I missed the bus. You look at your clock and watch him try to figure out your phone probably now and try to figure out when the next one is coming. You're standing with all this stuff in your hands. And you're thinking, I missed what happened. Well, that's just like money. The more you go after it, it seems, it, it seems to just get wings and fly away. Never just satisfied. You never seem to catch it. Always on the move. 
Power and money can be a trap. Hard to escape if you love them. Have heard people tell me that they have to make that money. Yes, we have to make a living. The Bible says it's the love. It's that which we will pursue and not give up. I tell you this. When you consider around the world what money has done to the lives of people, when you consider how people have loved it, have left God forsaken, there are people that have left the church, left God because they said, I've got to make the dollar. And still not satisfied. You see, money is just a tool, something that we are to enjoy, to use, to be able to honor God with. And the more you get, the more it seems to disappear. Solomon even notes that. Like chasing after it. There you are. Made more. And it's thinking, what happened? I, I just I just broke this twenty dollar bill and I don't know where the change went. <laughs> you start looking around as if you dropped it. No, you spent it. It goes. We've heard people say, if I can just get a little bit more, then I'll do this. Lo and behold, you say that and get a little bit more, then you say, Oh, I got some obligations now that's come up. Why? Because there, there, there is always tentacles with money. But money is just a way to be able to honor God with and take care of your business to enjoy. You see, let me give you, let me just say this. There's the one money, and then there is the side of the love of money. There's nothing wrong with money. Thank God for those who have money. Because why? You'd be petitioning those people. Asking for them. Thank God for money because even the things that we get after church and the food during the week comes come from people who have money. And we can enjoy. But when you are always saying boo to people, no, 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 no. You need those people. They can be a blessing to you. Thank God. When you write those grants and trying to get a, a foundation of somebody saying, can you give me just a little bit of what you got? Buck Fund, Marin Community Foundation. I wouldn't take the money for Friday Night Live. I got called. They were given $5,000 grant. Boy, it could have been used. Friday Night Live with those kids. But they told me in the grant, and they, as, as I was reading some information, you can't proselytize. I said, no, thank you. That means you can't make converse. That's the very thing we're doing. Trying to teach these kids how to love God. What does it mean to serve God? What do you mean? I have to take your money, can't preach the word? No, thank you. And the Lord supplied the need. We were able to make it. Take their money, be beholden to them. You can't teach. This is what the church is for. You mean I can't teach them the word of God. No, thank you. I won't take that kind of money. That's why I don't oftentimes go for grants at the church when we need to do certain things. Sometimes I might depend on what it might be. But I'm not going to compromise God's word. So don't compromise God's word. 
Solomon goes on to say, when goods increase, they increase who eat them. And that's an interesting statement. It's interesting because when you get something, you have some cousins that you didn't know come out the woodworks. You got some relatives that you had no idea who they were. You run and got some money. All of a sudden, they say, oh, I'm your, I'm your cousin from, from back east. And that through the 10th generation, yes, ain't never met them. Ain't never heard of them. But they heard that you had a little bit of something, and they contacted you. They found you. You ain't got to go look for people. They'll find you. They'll find you. He says, they increase who eat them. Not only those who find you, but the spending goes up. Most people don't live by a budget. Got very quiet. Most people don't have a budget. A budget is not your enemy. You don't have to be scared to have a budget. It can be your friend. It tells you where you want your money to go. Like, oh, I don't, oh I, don't, I don't want a budget. No, I'm scared of a budget. It just simply lets you know where your spending is, where I want it to be. Develop a budget that works for you. Write out the list and say, oh, oh, oh first time, my tithe and offering. I've already told y'all this. You ain't got to go through the calculator and try to figure all the details out. Just move that decimal point one place to the left. That's the tithe. Whatever your check is, just move it one spot to the left. $100.53, if that's what it is. Now let me give an offering, Lord, whatever the offering, Lord, let me, whatever that is. I did an experiment once as I bring this to a close with God. I said, God, I'm going I'm to test you. He told me to. Malachi told me I can test him. I, I, I'm, you bless, I just want to bless you with something extra. Brought a special, just offering, nobody knew, just here, Lord. Lo and behold, that week, I was blessed. Happened more than one time. Lord, thank you just for blessing here, Lord. And then I had a conversation. One day me and my wife had a conversation. We got married. No matter what happens with our finances, we will give our tithe and offering. That no matter what happens. And uh, we made that commitment and everything went wrong that week. And oh, can we, can we really give? Oh my goodness. And oh, this happened. And then all of a sudden we got uh, some money from Macy that I wasn't supposed to get. They gave me a check because they made a mistake. I got a $200 check from Macy's. I said, oh, thank you, Jesus. See, I made a $20 payment, but they put it down as a credit of $200. They misapplied it. And it was right at a time when we needed money, around Christmas. When Tris got married, I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. Looking at this, well... You know what I need to do? I need to drive to Macy's in San Rafael, living in Petaluma, and let them know the air. Let me go get my keys. <laughs> get in my car. Drive to Macy's. Went up to the credit department, which was on the second floor at that time on 4th Street, and told them, um, I made a $20 payment, and you guys made a mistake. You gave me a check. And the lady said, we were wondering what happened. 
Here's the problem. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Not long after that, I was working in Oakland around that time, and a lady that I was seeing doing some counseling, she worked at a store for babies. She was so glad of the work that was given and her, for her family, she brought us all of these brand new expensive clothes. I had no idea what they were. I said, look at all these clothes. My wife saw the name. Oh, my goodness, that's an expensive store. And we got all those clothes. I said, oh, my mind went right back to Macy's. Oh, thank you, Lord. You see, you can't, out, you can't beat God giving. The Lord has a way of just working things out. You be faithful with him. But all oh, the love, the love of money, he says, one has to be careful of. Money and wealth. Let me just give this and I'll close. When he says you have to be, you have to be careful with the love of money, one who loves wealth. Money often deals, we know, with that which we spend. Wealth can be dealing with any part of your possessions. Anything that you own, that you value, is your wealth. Be very, very careful. Because ultimately, remember this. The grave is the great equalizer. You can take anything with you. So when the Lord says, store up in heaven, I've tried it. I have not been able to be God-giving. Oh, we've had some slim days where we would go to the share and get the food. We, oh, my goodness, I tell you, we used to go out. We love Sunday because I used to go to my dad's house to get some food. I know I was going to eat, get a good meal. But I tell you this, you can't beat God giving. The Bible says that we are to love God, not corruption, not that which is evil, but to love God. Love him. Put him first. Give him the glory. Watch and see what he'll do. Trust him completely. Stand to your feet. Oh, we can give God a hand. Let's give God a hand for his goodness and his mercy, his love. Corruption in high places. God will one day judge this world. Those who may think they're getting away, God knows how to expose. <laughs> because he knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. Today in this place, you may be struggling with trusting God because you don't just see how it's going to all work out. But when you serve God, you can't just serve what it looks like. You've got to serve him based on what his word says. It's by faith. It's faith that pleases God. Lord, I don't see it right now. But I'm going to trust you and do what you've told me to do. Live as you told me to live. Give as you told me to give. Pray as you've told me to pray. I'm going to confront that which is wrong and evil as you've told me according to the word of God. But do it in a way that Lord looks to restore. I'm not going to decide because of a, of a political party or who it is. I'm going to say, seek and do that which is right. Today, Lord... As we pray, may we choose to do that which is right and to seek that which brings honor to you. Because, Lord, if you are not pleased, 
That's not good. Let man be discouraged and upset. But oh, if we can just please God, that makes all the difference. Today, we love you today for everything that we have, you gave it to us. And we are to enjoy it. You have blessed us with the world. And you gave Adam and Eve and us the privilege of a world that is great and magnificent. And you told us to enjoy it. Oh, God, may we enjoy it to the glory of God. Thank you right now that you are generous. You are mighty. But oh, where there's corruption in high places, may we not be satisfied to just go along, but say that's wrong. Where we can, Lord, do our part to correct that which is evil, may we do it in the way that brings honor to your name. Thank you right now for your goodness. And as we leave this place today, may our hearts be changed. May our hearts turn over. May the soil be turned over so that new growth can take place. Seeds can be, Lord, planted and take root. That the word of God will spring forth. That obedience will come forth as a result. We give it in the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Amen.